Hey folks, Richard Tubb here with a very special edition of Tub Talk today. I'm speaking to Paul Rosenthal. Paul is the CEO of Abstractor Corporation, the company behind Trusted Proxies and the Privatized VPN tool. Privatize is a managed VPN product built from the ground up for managed service providers. And it's a tool that I've come to rely on and to recommend to MSPs. More on Privatize later, but first, Paul, welcome to Subtalk. Thank you, Richard. Nice to be on here. And I'm very excited to be on, on your particular podcast and has a great following. And I'm very pleased to be reaching out and speaking to your followers. Oh, thank you. Well, how long have we known each other now? I'm going to say maybe a couple of years or so. Yes, I'd say a couple of years, yep. Yeah, so you came to visit me in my new adopted home of Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the northeast yes. of the UK. But you call, whereabouts in the in the world do you call home most of the time? Most of the time it's Bet Shemesh in Israel. I do, uh, before the current pandemic virus, I did commute to London a lot. Uh, but currently I'm... Uh, Happily uh, tucked away with my family in Bet Shemesh in Israel, which is about 20 minutes outside Jerusalem. A country I've never had the uh, privilege of visiting, but hopefully at some point in the future I can come across. You've told me it's beautiful. Oh, yes, you'll love it here. Once, once you can get flying again, I strongly recommend it on your bucket list. It's on the bucket list. We will do that. <laughs> Let's jump into your uh, background and journey. So you shared with me the once, actually, your background began more in SEO, didn't it? So tell, tell us a little bit about your journey to, to privatize and cybersecurity. So um, my background has always been in tech. And then I was in tech and marketing together, which led me into the SEO world and SEM, market, search engine marketing in, in general. And back back before everyone was, was using cloud tools, a lot of desktop software out there, and proxy servers was something that was really needed back then. Either for an, an, you know, to this day I still can't say the word online anonymity, anonymity, hiding <laughs> yourself <laughs> for uh, for finding out what's going on, for doing research, for getting results in in different geos, speeding things up, all, all kinds of reasons to use proxy servers. And back in those days, there was um, there wasn't really a, an address to go to. Um, either all the free stuff was like stuff you seriously did not want to touch. And there wasn't really any like good B2B supplier that you could go to. So um, I started my journey from tech into SEO and SEM in general, and then on to uh, even more tech. Mm. So... Uh, Abstractor, we already mentioned, there's a couple of tools that are in your sort of portfolio at the moment. We've got Trusted Proxies and then Privatize. I want to talk more about Privatize, but just give us a brief overview of what Trusted Proxies is. Um, so Trusted Proxies really started from uh, necessity being the mother of invention because I was having such trouble with my SEO tools back in 2009, 2010. Really desperately needed proxy servers, couldn't find anything reliable. So I was like, okay, I'll make my own. Started making them which uh, gave me all kinds of online privacy and all kinds of online anonymity and just ability to all kinds of things with the, with the web and the internet research. And I was like, this is so good. There must be other people who think the same thing. And the rest, as they say, is history. Trusted Proxies was born. And we filled a great need there for sort of corporate white hats, online and anonymity, is that word again. And um, it, Grew into a, into a great product with a great following, and from there, the next logical step for us was into the world of corporate VPNs. Mm, and I want to touch more upon that, but let's rewind a little bit. So, for 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 people who listen to this, who sort of think they're no familiar with VPNs, but maybe not hundred percent, what is a VPN, and how would you describe the benefits to them? 
So there's actually two types of VPNs. So it does depend who you're speaking to. Um, let's say you're talking to a corp, uh, someone who works in an MSP, for example, an engineer. There's an answer for him or her. And if you're talking to a consumer, there's a slightly different answer. The underlying technology is the same. It's all about encryption, encrypting two different uh, endpoints of a communication channel. It's like the Boeing technical part. In the consumer world, it's been uh, used either for people to change the country that they appear in. So the encryption is used, the encryption is actually almost irrelevant. It's really just a case of connecting to another endpoint in another country so you can get an IP address in another country, which opens up streaming opportunities, for example, where streaming is restricted in the uh, geography that you're in, or other kinds of geo applications. Plus, also in the consumer world, people use a VPN for just privacy in general, online privacy. They don't want the ISP tracking them. Uh, it can help to con contribute, contribute to other kinds of online tracking prevention, and also just good old-fashioned security of encrypting your in encrypting your connection, whether you're, whether you're out or about or not. So that, that's typically what consumers uh, would see a VPN for. Now, in the corporate world, um, all of that still applies as well. But traditionally, if you were to say VPN in the corporate world, it's usually about a remote access solution whereby you have an office with an office-based local area network, resources on a central file server and or people's workstations in the office. And when they're working from home or on the go, they want access into the corporate network to be able to grab the resources that they need. And typically, a remote access VPN is the way of doing it. So I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, of VPNs uh, in general from the perspective of you know uh, just it's not necessarily anonymity. You've touched on some of the consumer reasons why we might do that. If somebody wants to watch um, a television program, if you wanted to watch the BBC when you're in uh, mm -hmm. on the other sides of the world, you can uh, almost geo spoof and pretend that you're in the UK to watch that. But I use VPNs day in and day out, and that's what led to us having a conversation um, to protect my data. Uh, because when I was out using free Wi-Fi, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, I, the epiphany for me, Paul, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. Mm -hmm. I was staying at an Airbnb oh. and uh, my wife and I needed to do some online banking. And I jumped online. I was just about to, to do the online banking. Then I suddenly had the, the realization, I don't own this Wi-Fi. And while I trust, I, you know, I think I trust the Airbnb owner, who's to say what router and what data they're mm -hmm. gathering there? It really was. So that sort of opened my eyes to it. But I use a VPN to sort of protect um, uh, my data when I'm out and about. And I know you've, you've got a, v sort of a very clear views, haven't you, about free Wi-Fi and um, uh, whether you can trust that. Exactly. And it's kind of funny because I actually had exactly, I had no idea this, I had exactly the same epiphany as you because I remember a few years back, um, I was having a meeting um, in America with um, my head of, uh, my system admin head. And we were also, we were actually renting an Airbnb as our sort of base to have our meetings at. And um, this was before Privatize came around. And I was like, okay, let's get hooked up now onto, uh, onto, onto the Wi-Fi. And he said to me, you must be joking. You can't. You have no idea who is behind this or managing this. You're out of your mind. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, you know, you assume you can, you can trust it. You, you trust the person stay in their accommodation or you trust everything else. I was like, you can't make those assumptions. And then you extend it everywhere else. Like you say, once you get into cafes, hotels, um, shopping centers, anywhere and everywhere, like Wi-Fi is just everywhere in this day and age. And really, you have no idea who's behind it. Half the people who are putting the Wi-Fi out there themselves have no idea who's behind it. Most of these people, they're not technical. They have no idea uh, what they're doing. 
And it was actually an MSP I was speaking to once, put it very, very succinctly and said, if you don't own the network, you can't trust the network. Mm. And that is, um, that's really been the driving force behind this to say that, especially in the corporate world, you know, consumers are, are worried enough about having their privacy compromised and having their security compromised. But in the corporate world, you have additional responsibilities to your employees, to your investors, your stakeholders, your end user customers. The, the stakes are just that much higher. And... If you're, if you're taking precautions in every other area of cybersecurity, it's like the idea of just casually going onto Wi-Fi, this, that you have no idea who is behind that network, is scary. And I think one of the reasons people don't realize and appreciate it is because of just the basics of Wi-Fi. People just forget how it works. It, it works on radio waves. So the minute you've connected, all your data is being transmitted openly over radio waves. And with like $99 of equipment or even less, anyone can intercept that. And so and, and start having all kinds of fun with it, and that's just like, it's, it's scary when you actually stop to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, on my uh, blog to blog, I have reviewed all manner of uh, VPN uh, software. Um, you know, uh, TunnelBear, ExpressVPN. These are two that that spring to mind in the consumer space that I really like. There's lots of corporate VPN products. So, in a market that already has a very competitive VPN space. Yeah. Why did you start privatized VPN pool? Yeah, so it was also solving our own problem, which was once we had the epiphany that we, we, even we should be trusting uh, uh, Wi-Fi anywhere, we wanted to deploy a VPN solution ourselves. And so we started hitting up all the administration issues. Now, we never, we never had a corporate VPN to begin with because most of our company is kind of remote already. That's about 50% of our employees are, are kind of remote anyway. And even in our office, we do everything through the cloud. So we never really got involved with corporate VPNs to begin with, but we're always on the internet, always connecting to everything. And so we, we needed to encrypt what we're doing. And the aggravation of deploying even the best consumer VPN solution, it's just... Who needs the headache? Because by definition, a consumer VPN solution is aimed at individual consumers, one person who's taken responsibility for themselves to proactively protect their privacy, which is great. But in the corporate setting, someone in the company, if it's a small company, it's a CEO, if it's a slightly larger company, the IT administrator or the IT department are responsible for all those employees and all of those devices. And suddenly, the idea of deployment, management, administration of consumer tools that are only ever built for one person at a time just becomes too much of a headache. It's like, in, in this world today, who needs another headache to manage? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so one of the areas that I've been super impressed with Privatize um, is, uh, you know, the fact it's easy to deploy and it's easy to manage. So we, you know, this isn't a product that I recommend uh, uh, lightly. This is a product that we use within TeamTurb ourselves. Um, when it comes to you know uh, VPNs as a whole, though, what are the opportunities for VPNs in offering managed uh, tools? I think technicians understand that Wi-Fi perhaps uh, you know needs to be secured, but from a business perspective, Paul, what are the opportunities for MSPs here? So it's another opportunity to build relationships with your customers and explain to them how you're taking their security very very seriously. Um, at the, at the moment, in our experience, I would say the majority of MSPs are not offering a corporate VPN solution of the type that we're talking about, not, not remote access to the local area network. That's a lot of them. But for securing their Wi-Fi connections or connections to the cloud, it seems the majority of MSPs are not doing that. So this is an opportunity to get in ahead, show value, show how you're taking seriously the security 
of your end user customers, how are you leaving no stone unturned? So A, it's good for the end user customer. B, it's good for you because you're reducing potential hacking opportunities down the line. And C, it's building these relationships and it's just, it's just good for all around for everyone. So in any profession, doing the right thing is always the right thing, is always the best thing. Yeah. So when I talk to MSPs about the tools that they might offer, the services and solutions, I typically look at them from one of two ways. I say to the MSP, hey, if you use this tool, you will lower your cost of support. In other words, you will reduce the number of support incidents that you have to deal with. And a VPN definitely falls in that category. The other category, of course, is if you offer this tool, you can sell it to the client and right, exactly. make more money and increase your profits that way. Where does um, privatized VPN fit in that? Obviously, it lowers the cost of support, but do you find that MSPs typically sell this as, a, as an upsell to clients? So we're seeing two approaches, actually. Um, in, in some of the MSPs where they already offer, let's call it size, like good, better, best plans mm. to their end user customers, then what we're seeing is some of them are now throwing the VPN in to let's say maybe their better or best plans as something that's included automatically. So that way they're not having to sell the product standalone on its own. And so it's like it's an easier sell. Because one thing is a lot of end user um, companies, or the people who, who imagine those companies don't always understand all the ins and outs of all the different parts of the technology in the stack. So we're finding some MSPs are just short circuiting it, not bothering, and they're just including it into their stacks and then either either for free and absorbing the cost or they incrementally increasing the cost of their bundles as time goes by in order to at the very least cover their costs. But ideally what they're looking to do is to expand their margin a little bit more so they're actually making another few dollars per month per user off the back of privatizing the stack. And then there's the other types of MSPs who either they're not in a position to do that or they're not confident to do it um, or they don't have the margins to do it initially, perhaps uh, more nervous. And there it's more as a more straightforward transactional um, idea that just like they sell other services, they've now got an additional service to sell to say, you know, hey, you've, and, and, and a, lot of, a lot of end users who run businesses, even though a lot of them don't understand the tech, there are a, a fair number there who have heard of Tunnel Bear and ExpressVPN and Norby being there on the television. So they have heard of VPNs. And so now it's given these MSCs opportunity to say, well, you've heard of these VPNs. You understand that they're important for protecting your personal data, consumer data, but you need to do this for your business as well. And we, have, we now have a tool to enable us to do that for you. And it's only going to cost you X dollars per month. Yeah. So, so, we, so we're seeing really both, both, both approaches. Yeah. I, again, again, and I agree with that because there's not one size fits all. It depends on the maturity of the MSP. But what I would say, Paul, you and I have discussed this, but I certainly see the future of managed services. Um, you know, if we rewound a few years, I can remember my managed service provider charged for antivirus products. Um, it was almost like, hey, we, you know, we want you to take this on. It's inconceivable now, of course, isn't it, that any client would not have antivirus. And so it's bundled as part of the, the package. And I firmly believe that, you know, in the very near future, and it's happening now, that MSPs will be deploying a VPN as part of their a security package because it lowers cost of support and it differentiates themselves from the, from the uh, competition. Uh, I, I want to talk about deployment specifically. Now, I was surprised when you first approached me, uh, with uh, to take a look at privatize, I thought, oh, you know, when we get round to deploying this, when we've got time for the project, and it was really simple. But so, talk right. through the <laughs> challenges that MSPs would have with deploying a VPN and how you've overcome that with privatize. 
And so if you take a typical consumer VPN product, uh, the way it works is uh, one license per user. I mean, you mentioned TunnelBit earlier, for example, who are a fabulous company, excellent uh, reputation, excellent products. And they brought out TunnelBit for Teams, which was to help with this, whereby if let's say there's 20 employees in the company, then you can just have one subscription with 20 licenses and you can name the individuals. But so, but whether you're deploying something like TunnelBear for Teams or any other consumer VPN product, it's like one employee, one license, which is then a username and a password. The software needs to be manually installed, and then the username and password distributed or typed in or copy and pasted. And depending on the model the MSP has, if either depending on the end users to do that, then there's a very high chance that those. VPNs will just either never get deployed, or if they get deployed, they'll never be used. And if the MSP is doing it, it's a huge admin headache. One more thing for your engineers to be taken care of. And then you've got to manage all those credentials. And like with, any, with anything, even with password managers today, it's still one more headache to manage all those credentials, all the password resets, all the forgotten passwords, all the risk of people setting their own passwords and reusing passwords. You don't need me to tell you or your listeners about this. So I think that's a, that's actually been one of the barriers to MSPs deploying uh, deploying the the VP, consumer VPNs because it's it's a headache to actually get them out there, install them, get get them used, and make sure they're being used and monitor that they're being used. So we took the approach with Privatize to say, put yourself in the shoes of an MSP engineer, or put yourself in the shoes of the IT administrator in the company. Even how do we solve? How do we overcome all of those problems? So we did away with, with usernames and passwords altogether, and we use an automated PKI solution, whereby in the portal for the uh, for the company, all the users are set up. But from there, automated personalized executables are built, so that when they're deployed, when so that and it was start again. So when um, when it comes to deployment, each user is created in the, in the portal. They get a personalized email, the personalized download. It's just one click, whether it's the end user doing it, whether it's an on-site admin doing it, whether it's a remote engineer doing it. It's a single click, which is a personalized build, has all the keys built in there securely. So it's just one email is automatically sent, one click, instant download, instant connection with a with security that's more secure than a username and password. And we also built it with integration into PSA and RMM tools as well, so that engineers remotely, if they can't get onto each individual machine to do it, we can now integrate it with their tools to automate even even further. Yeah. It, and it, it's brilliant because it just works. This is why I'm such a fan of the products. You know, when we rolled this out, uh, privatized VPN out within Team Tub, um, uh, people were like, well, what's the username and password? Oh, that's, there, there isn't one. Um, okay. <laughs> right. How, you know, how do I go and install it? Just Click the link that I've sent you and right. it is. Right, how do I do the updates? Well, it does that for you. And it literally is, you know, just sort of uh, uh, put it in and and it, and it just works, which is why I really like it. Um, I there's guess also my... something else, if I could... Yeah, if I could, So there's also something else important as well. And another big differentiation with the consumer VPNs of looking up or putting ourselves in the shoes of the engineers is that if a consumer who's privacy conscious decides themselves to buy a consumer VPN and deploy it. So they're motivated to use it properly and administer it properly and configure it properly. But when you're putting this on end users' machines who know nothing about computers, they don't have the motivation, the understanding, they're not interested in dealing with this kind of software. So the problem is if you, with a typical consumer VPN product is you're depending on the end user to know how to use it 
or to know that they shouldn't fiddle with all the settings and go mess something up. So what we also did was, like, like you said about it just works, is we took all of that away. We just automated everything in the background so that the end user doesn't have to take care of it and the, and the engineers don't have to manage it. So like I said, once you, with a single click, you just installed it, just leave it to run in the background and never touch it. Yeah, and I love the feature um, of trusted networks, by the way. So, of course, you know, one network I, I, I'm pretty sure I can trust, although you might debate this, is my, you know, my own broadband. I've got the Google Wi-Fi set up here and everything. I don't necessarily, you know, need to run through a VPN. So you can add your home Wi-Fi to the trusted network and away you go. But for everything else, it sort of turn, turns the... Uh, the yeah. So we took that a stage further as well because we added Ethernet to be a potential trusted network. So let's say... Um, so an employee comes in with their work laptop back into the office and they plug in into the Ethernet rather than the Wi-Fi. So you know, the MSP says, well, you know, we run that, that wide network. We can trust that. So the VPN will just automatically turn off as soon as it detects the trusted Ethernet network. And then once they, they're on their way home, then the VPN just automatically flicks back on again. Yeah, it's brilliant. And it really does uh, just work, which is why I've become such a big fan of it, which has led to us having this conversation. But but no, for you. you know, the people listening to this, the owners of IT businesses and managed service providers, they're, they're going to have some questions about mm-hmm. why they should be using VPN, why this is an opportunity. So let me, you know, try and tackle, ask you, put you on the spot with some of these. For instance, Paul, why would you use a VPN when 4G is available. Isn't it just easier to tell your clients, don't use free Wi-Fi, just use 4G? It is. And if human beings were robots and were 100% dependable to do what they were asked to do and to understand what they've been asked to do, then the market for privatized and all the other VPNs would be way, way smaller. There's still an argument. Some people say that even on a 4G network, you still need, because who's to say you can trust the, uh, the 4G provider? Now, that becomes more of a philosophical debate as to who you trust and then they do trust absolutely nobody. So some people still would use a VPN even on a, on a 4G network. Um, the problem is, is that in principle, you're 100% technically correct that you solve the problem of, wi- of security on Wi-Fi by using your 4G connection. It's just in practice, asking non-technical end users to know when to switch it on, how to tether, how to turn the mobile hotspot on and off, set your mobile phone, even if you want to connect your mobile, just even trust the mobile phone itself to not automatically connect to Wi-Fi and to only to be using the mobile data. It's, it just goes back to an administration headache that you can't depend on. So I would say to anyone listening that for yourself personally, if you're just interested in protecting yourself personally and you want to use your own 4G either as a hotspot for your laptop or just on your mobile device itself and you're happy that you know what you're doing and that you remember when to turn it on and when to turn it off, is you're actually 100% correct. Just go for it. It is simpler. Why bother having to install and manage another piece of software? For the MSP who's responsible for hundreds if not thousands of endpoints, becomes much harder because to train all those users and to understand what to do, not something that you really want to depend on. Yeah, absolutely. I guess another question that I've heard from MSPs or an objection really is, hey, we have got, insert brand name here, hardware at our client sites. You know, we sell that as a product to them and that's got a corporate VPN built into it. So where does privatize sort of fit in there? Why is that, might that not be a good fit for everybody? So now it comes down to an interesting point of philosophically where we think the industry is going. From a, from a purely technical perspective, it's correct that if someone has a laptop and they say they're at home and they 
want to do any kind of work that requires the internet and they connect to the corporate VPN, it works. Does exactly the same job as connecting to our VPN would do. The downside to it, though, is that you've then opened up a vector into the corporate network. And there's a good score of, I don't know if philosophy is really the right word, of network security that says you want to reduce attack services and reduce attack vectors in general. So if the, let's say, the, the employee is working from home, doesn't actually need specific resources on the corporate network, let's say they, they need to check something in, in a cloud account somewhere or they're, just doing, or they're just doing personal surfing, for example, they don't need to access a corporate document. Why would you open access to the entire corporate network to that user at that time. So when, there, so when those two things are running in tandem, my view is, is that the ideal optimal solution is that you need to deploy both. Yeah. I, I did a, a webinar a few weeks ago with uh, friends across uh, Acronis, um, and uh, there was a cybersecurity expert on there, and we were talking about the future of cybersecurity for managed services, and they talked about most MSPs don't segment networks at the moment so that the entire network is open to whichever device that is on there. What you're talking about is essentially making sure that, you know, um, you, you minimize, you segment, you minimize the access that people have access to and corporate networks typically open every, sorry, corporate VPNs typically open everything up, don't they? So again, this is another reason why I think, you know, this type of product is the future of the managed service industry. So that's the thing because, it's just like the 4G discussion we had, that if you take the time to set everything up properly and train all your staff inside out so they know when to use the corporate network, when not to use it, then the arguments for using a, a VPN-only product like Privatized does diminish somewhat. But what we're addressing is the practicalities that we don't live in these ideal worlds where people always do what they say. Everything is perfectly tuned, everything's perfectly configured, administered, and everyone knows what to do. Um, the very opposite is, for example, I said you know, just now that on the one hand, you can open access to the corporate network and access everything when someone just wants to check their Facebook account. But so you also have the opposite, which is that a lot of end users can't be depended on to open the corporate network. If they know they don't need it, they're not trying to access corporate uh, documents, they're going to go, well, I don't need to connect my VPN now, so I just won't bother, and I'll just do all the stuff I need on the cloud or surfing or whatever without any protection whatsoever. So what this is about addressing is it's about it's, it's almost it's almost an exercise in psychology sometimes I think it's about addressing just the practicalities of life and how people think rather than the, a, a very specific technical discussion because when it comes down to the real technical things with engineers is you're right you know an engineer who's on top of absolutely everything doesn't need half the tools that are out there but you know, in reality this doesn't always happen that way with many many companies. Yeah, absolutely. Now, most consumer VPN uh, products that I've reviewed, that I've looked at, they actually tout as one of their main features, we don't log anything. <laughs> but privatize, you take the opposite view. You talk about logging. So explain that to me. Why, why is logging of a, a benefit um, uh, for MSPs? So again, it comes down to the very different requirements uh, that a small business and an MSP has versus a consumer. Consumers want to typically protect their privacy in every angle that they can. So the idea is log nothing. And then if the police or the CIA or the FBI or MI5 decide they want to access my records, then the host, the VPN provider, doesn't have any logs. So I'm completely protected. My privacy is completely uh, assured. The MSP or the Small Business Administrator 
need to take the opposite view because they're responsible for making sure that people in their company are using the VPN when they should be using it to protect their data. If you log nothing, you have no way of knowing who's using it or when they're not using it. Now, so when we say logging, we don't log where people are visiting. We don't, we don't do that. We don't need to do that. It's, you know, it's actually harder for us to do that. We have to go out of our way to do that. What we're talking about, we're talking about logging the usage of the product itself. And that gives that provides the data, that provides the tools that we're giving to the MSP so they can actually sh ensure that the employees actually using the VPN when they need to use it. So like it's, it's collecting data for a good purpose to enable and to empower the MSPs to do their job and do their job better. And just anyone who's concerned, you just know that our default policy is that we automatically delete all logs after 30 days and the MSP or the administrator can, sit, can change that setting down to one day. So if they want, we can just retain data for one day only if that's, you know, people are concerned. Yeah, I like that. And, and again, from a, a simplicity perspective, when I look at the dashboard to make sure my team uh, are using the VPN product, it comes up and it says, yeah, they've got it installed, an icon for Windows, an icon for, uh, for Mac, an icon for Android. It's simplicity. And it, it's, it's, it's that simplicity. Again, I'm going to come back to this. It just works, so, which is why I'm a big fan of the product and why we're here. So, but in, in terms of MSPs, you know, if they've got privatized, deployed to um, uh, ten dozens, hundreds even of clients and hundreds and hundreds of uh, of endpoints, there is there any advice you would give them for for managing that VPN solution once they've deployed it? I think it's it's like with a lot of other tools that a lot of it's to do with procedures as much as to do with the technology, in that just as you have a procedures manual, an operations manual that says you know, for our managed customers, every three months we do this and every one month we do that and every week we do this, that someone does need to take responsibility at whatever intervals work for that MSP and, and to whatever degree of level works for them to actually check what's going on, to actually do spot checks or review the reports or to, uh, to make some effort to see what's going on because otherwise the risk is you spend a lot of effort up, well, a huge amount of effort because um, it's simple to deploy, but you, spend, you put the effort in at the beginning to deploy the product and get it out there and everyone's using it. But if you take your eye off the ball, 12 months later, you'll see that half the company's not using it anymore. It kind of defeats the object because you thought you were securing everyone, but then there's all these like holes, like a Swiss cheese of holes. It's just opening up because you took your eye off the ball. So it's just always remember, like with all tools MSPs use, is it's not over once you set it up. You do need to keep an eye on it and, and have a procedure and a system for how you're going to manage it on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And talking of keeping an eye on things, you've already touched on this briefly, but in terms of uh, integration between privatized and the other tools that uh, yeah. MSPs work, of course, top of that list would be the PSA, the Professional Service Automation Tools. What does the integration look like? Um, who do you integrate with? And, and what can we expect to come in that area? So at the moment, we're integrating with... Um, I hate to say the top players in the industry because I guess that's sometimes um, political. Um, so we can we uh, connecting with Connectwise, Kaseya, and um, and Autotask. I can't remember off the top of my head. I actually don't remember if we, had, if we added a fourth one yet. We have we have a roadmap of a few other ones, but that, those three seem to uh, be the ones that we hear about all the time. So those are the ones that we started with. Mm -hmm. And what does the integration look like? What sort of uh, data flows back and forth? So currently, it's to do with users and, uh, well, as you said, it's to do with users. It's, it's customers, like which customers you want to import and which users you want to um, 
you want to apply to. We did initially have early requests also for invoicing both in both directions, accounts receivables and accounts payable. But we, we found that the majority of MSPs seemingly are not that concerned about it. It's partly to do with, that, with our own bidding model where we include licenses and just these days with like automated bidding of credit cards in the other direction is like that turned out not to be such a big thing and the other data flow we have uh, also very important is integration with your ticket system mm. so that if um, someone has an issue within the VPN itself, uh, like on their client app, there's some kind of, let's say there was a connectivity issue or installation issue or something, then the end user can open the support screen on the app and send a log, which has like diagnostic information or they can just type some information they want, which by this functionality itself can be disabled if you don't want it. But it then, instead of sending that information to us, because this is a reseller managed service provider model, instead the ticket information goes into the PSA system instead. So there's like a configuration you can do at the beginning to decide where in, where you want the tickets di- directed to. Yeah, makes sense. And and what would you say is next for 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 not only the privatized product for Abstractor as a company? What what if, can you give us a glimpse into what the future might look like? Then? So the future of Abstract is built on upon privatizing and adding additional features and different and additional products into the suite. Uh, we're looking at encrypted DNS solutions that kind of that work reliable content filtering. Um, the biggest thing that we that we have and where we think is the most value is what a lot of MSPs are asking for and where we see the most value is coming back to something that we discussed earlier. It's about the different modes of deployment you have the these if i can can i say the word old-fashioned corporate networks uh local area networks and you have the cloud and you have people working from home and you have people working remotely and on the go and in, and in different offices i think the word corporate the two words corporate vpn hasn't really moved on it a lot of msps are still thinking in terms of one office one network one file server or maybe they have multiple file servers but of it being like a hermetically sealed uh, network with a perimeter and you put a firewall on it and then everyone's happy and use a, a corporate network to connect. But the world's moving on. Firstly, a lot of companies these days are cloud only, like we're cloud only, for example. And so many companies, I couldn't put a statistic on it, are using both. They, they do have the, the corporate network, but they also have so much in the cloud, which also needs securing. So the idea of an old fashioned perimeter that you can protect with a single uh, security appliance especially hardware-based, it doesn't really apply anymore. You need to be much more flexible and protect people wherever they are and sort of to move the firewall to protect everyone regardless of where they are, which just becomes like a software-based solution. And that's where we're going to be putting a lot of development effort in is to make integration and deployment side-by-side, side, whether for, it's the, an existing corporate VPN solution alongside our VPN solution, or replacing the corporate VPN solution with our solution that will manage both remote access and the cloud, and securing and extending the firewall to wherever people are working. Because uh, this is like, without doubt, the future of where everyone's going and where the future of security is. And so that's our main play is we want to secure Wherever the wherever the employees are working and whatever access to whatever resources they need, we want to be there to make sure it's secure. Absolutely, that sounds it. Uh, exciting times, good yes. stuff uh, coming up. And you know, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join me and talk about this today. Um, it's been it's super important to me because I genuinely think this is an episode that people are going to look back on in two three years and say, "Oh, of course we use uh, privatize and manage VPN." But right now, as we're recording this. It is the exception, and I think that's going to change 
really, really rapidly. I think uh, tools like Privatize are going to become the, you know, a part of the default offering uh, that MSPs offer uh, to their clients for cybersecurity. So, Paul, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. If anybody wants to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? So the easiest way, anything to remember, is go to abstractor.com and go to contact us or schedule a demo if you want to dive straight in. If anyone wants to have a, a one-to-one conversation, any specific points they want to follow up with me, then it's paul at abstractor.com. Wonderful. Paul, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Richard. It's been a pleasure and I hope it's been helpful. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's gogo.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.